Isn't it a glorious, glorious week in pinball when we know we're going to get to see a brand new pinball machine for the first time out in the world? And that is what it's like this week as we prepare for the stern reveal of Deadpool pinball. It could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. Uh, I think the most likely times we'll see this game will either be Tuesday, which is today, or Friday. I think those are my bets for when we will see the reveal of Stern's Deadpool pinball machine. Now, the problem in the past is this, and, and, and this is what I miss about uh, Stern reveals, is it would normally go down something like this. Uh, I would hear from some of my friends at Stern when the game would be revealed, and I would say on my podcast when you could expect the reveal to happen, and then Zach would get pissed off and hold the reveal to prove once again that Canada's Pinball Podcast is not the legitimate source for pinball news. But anyway, I think we're going to see it very, very soon. And I'm excited. And I want to talk a little bit about this sort of the excitement before seeing a new pinball machine and how Stern delivers this excitement to us time and time again. Because I think if most of us are honest, um, we get really giddy. I mean, we get really, really giddy before we see a new pinball machine. There's something about this hobby, and I've never really been in another hobby that's quite like pinball, where there's a cycle of excitement and hype and expectation that just seems to trip over each other as we wait for a new pinball machine. And I also think there's an excitement and a hype and, and, and an enthusiasm that only comes when you reveal and release pinball machines the right way. And, and here we go again, right? Stern showed us a teaser of Deadpool pinball uh, like a few days ago. And now we're going to see the final product in just a few days. And guess what? In a matter of like a week or two, not only are you going to see Jack Danger flipping the machine, but you're going to be able to order it. And I guarantee you within a week or two, there will be Deadpools that are already on the line at Stern going into the homes of customers and out into the hands of operators around the world. And all of that being known... How dare we even ask the question, is Stern an evil company, all right? So let's talk about Deadpool, all right? Because I, I, I have a little bet going. I have a bet with Marty over at Head to Head Pinball. Um, where We have a bet about the bobblehead teaser video that Stern put out there. So I, I am here to tell you that my bet is that that bobblehead is 100% fake, that there's no way that's going into the game, that Stern is totally taking the piss out of all of the jokes around the TIE fighter on a spring, and they are basically using Deadpool marketing to take the piss out of everybody. And we, we saw it also, uh, George Gomez uploaded a funny picture of, of like them designing the game, and it was like a little Deadpool action figure that was drawing with a Sharpie marker. Um, this is how Deadpool the film marketed itself. It, it made fun of traditional movie marketing, 
I think Stern is taking the piss out of us. Now, here's my bet with, 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 um, with Ryan. Did I say Marty? It's with Ryan over at Head to Head Pinball. So Ryan and I have a bet. He doesn't think, he thinks that's going to be in the game. And his rationale is that he's like, look at it, Chris. It's sculpted. Someone would have to make this. Like, there's no way it's got to be in the game. And I said to him, Ryan, what are you talking about, man? Like, that's Stern Pinball. Like, they could easily make a sculpt like this in one day and, and, and take the piss out of people with this. And I love the way the video, like, lingers on the head bobbling. I just, so, okay, so here's the bet. If he's right, if he's right and this thing makes its way into the game, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I have to, if I lose the bet, I have to appear on head-to-head pinball and be their guest. And all I'm allowed to do, though, is laugh in the background. So they have basically commissioned me to be a background laugh track, which I will happily do. I'm going to start practicing um, a laugh that makes me sound like I'm, I'm about to die any second. Um, and if I'm right, if I'm right, then Ryan C. needs to come on to the show and, and be a guest again. Because I know you guys loved it when Ryan was on the show. And we actually kind of kicked off his pinball podcasting career right here on Canada's Pinball Podcast. So we would love to have Ryan return as a guest. Okay, so let's talk about pinball. So here's what I'm hearing. And this is also what I love about Stern uh, is they know perfectly how to drum up hype. So I was talking to a friend who has seen the game. All right. He has seen the game and I asked him, I said, hey, like, I know you can't tell me much, but like, what's your overall opinions about Deadpool? And here's what he told me. He said, look, I wasn't that interested in Deadpool as a theme. I wasn't expecting to want this game. But after seeing the game and seeing what Zombie Yeti has done with this game, I am now on board and I'm saving up to get one. And he basically said to me, that this is the best art package that Zombie Yeti has ever done. Okay, he, he's just like, wait do you see it? Wait do you see it? And so, I, you know, of course, like when someone tells you stuff like that, you're like, oh my God, I got to go get an LE. Like that's like the first thing that always pops into my mind is, is like this fear of missing out. And so, you know, do I think this is going to be Zombie Yeti's finest art creation at Stern Pinball to date? And I actually do. And here's why. I think comic book style... Deadpool art style actually fits his kind of illustrations perfectly, perfectly. And I bet he was given a little bit more freedom than he was on Iron Maiden uh, and then he was on Ghostbusters. And so we even saw like in the leaked image of what we saw in terms of just the line drawing of what he was doing with Deadpool that it looks freaking awesome. So yes, I do expect this to be incredible. I, I also expect Zombie Yeti to deliver uh, three stellar art packages. And I think we saw this with Iron Maiden is we're not going to get just like subtle little changes to the different kinds of games um, where, you know, it's almost like when you look at uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and how those three different cabinet packages were delivered to us. It, it doesn't feel like they were like radically, like completely redrawn with different themes in mind. It kind of feels like 
uh, Christopher Franchi, like drew different elements of the game and they just positioned them differently for the three different cabinets. Uh, they also made the colossal mistake of making the LE cabinet the least striking and visually appealing, right? And we heard from Franchi Wise, he, he put the best art package on the pro cabinet because he thought most people would see that. And he even admits that he learned his lesson and the LE needs to be the nicest, oh my God, I have to have that. So I think Zombietti clearly understands, and we saw this with Iron Maiden, how to deliver three distinct, incredible art packages. And just like in Iron Maiden, though, right, what excites me is I don't think anyone who got any version of Iron Maiden feels like they made a compromise in the, in the art package they're getting. They were all great. Like, they could have substituted the pro for the premium, the premium for the LE, and people still would have been extremely, extremely happy with what they got. So, we know we know that Zombietti is going to knock this game out of the park. So from a visual standpoint, Deadpool is just going to be incredible. All right, there's, there's no denying that. My big question is this, and this is what, if, if you were to ask me, what do I wish for when I think about Deadpool pinball? Um, you know, I think we all know the basic layout. What we got in that leak is going to be the basic layout. What I'm hoping for is this. I really hope that there is a mechanism or two that is in this game that really sort of sets the game apart. That doesn't just feel like we're using the same, you know, same cookie cutter ramps that we're getting in, in Batman, um, that we're not getting the same sort of sword lock, uh, you know, philosophy from Lord of the Rings, which we see the sword, the saber blade on, on the right, which is really cool. But where are the mechs? Like, where are the mechs at Stern Pinball? Where are the days when they would design, like, the Batman crane toy to go into Batman Dark Knight? Like, where are there going to be mechs in this game? Are there going to be things that the ball interacts with that are special, that are magical, that are awesome? And I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure if what we're seeing in that very early Whitewood, I'm not sure if we're seeing the pro or if we're seeing the premium LE version of the game. But that's just what I'm hoping for that we get a really cool mech in this game. Um, there's also a lot of conversation around like, who's coding the game. You know, is it Lonnie? Is it Dwight? I think the consensus is that Dwight is doing uh, the Munsters with Borg, so he's probably not designed this. So is this Lonnie? I also think Stern is moving into an error now where the coding for their games is not going to just be penned by one individual. We know they've hired a whole group of people to help with coding moving forward so that they avoid releasing games with embarrassingly Spartan code like Batman and Guardians of the Galaxy. Because as we know, like there's nothing worse than a game shipping and people opening it up and, and being disappointed and having to wait a year. So I think Stern probably has a bunch of coders on this that you might not even know who they are. And they're, they're probably being guided, if I had to guess, uh, by Lonnie on this game. Uh, but it's a George Gomez-designed game, which he took over from John Trudeau. And I think we see some quintessential Gomez elements on this machine. Now, what excites me is this. is uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've always felt that George's games uh, always shoot really well. You know, some of them have a little clunkiness, but not terrible. Not It's never a brick fest. And I think in this era where like a lot of new games are coming out, which I believe to have poor design, uh, I, I would rather have 
a George Gomez, or even if some of the elements are borrowed or lifted from some of his previous games, I would rather shoot a game that shoots well, even if it has things that are reminiscent of previous games, versus a completely new layout that's a brick fest. You know, I, and, and I read on Pinside, a, a lot of people out there who try to cheerlead the new companies, I think they try to make excuses for poor design. Um, you, know, st- you know, every time, I, I, I remember when, when I was at Sunshine, that this like moment where I, you know, I've always been pooping on Star Wars and whatnot. And then I jumped on Houdini and it was just like brick, 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 brick. And I was having absolutely no fun. And then I walked over to Star Wars, a game that I had been making fun of on this show for a really long time. And guess what? The ball was in play. The ball was in play for a while. The ball's looping around. The ball's moving all over the place. I'm having fun because the ball's in play. And, and that's the thing is like these stupid brick fest games, I, I, I just don't think... Um, are fun at all, all right? So I, I fully expect Deadpool to shoot, to shoot well, all right? Uh, so will there be an R-rated mode in Deadpool? And that's another big question I have because we all know this is an R-rated pinball theme. And I don't, have we ever had an R-rated Stern pinball game? And I, I don't know. I don't, it, The Walking Dead is not R-rated. Uh, I, I just don't think we've ever had a game that literally needs to curse at you and literally needs to have adult jokes and comedy come at you. Um, What I'm hoping they do is have an R-rated mode. Uh, Now that would mean they would have to code it separately to turn that mode on and Will Stern put the resources behind that uh, because Deadpool is an R-rated movie. It's an R-rated comic. So it would only make sense if you're going to give the fans of Deadpool what they expect, that the game would be R-rated. So more to come on that. But that's another thing I'm, I'm wondering about. I'm wondering about, like, what's going on with me this morning? All right, another question I have about Deadpool is, what will the LE package have? Now, we saw Stern turn the corner with Iron Maiden LE. We saw them put into Iron Maiden LE the uh, metallic decals on the cabinets. We saw them put in the upgraded speakers. We saw them put in the shaker motor. We saw them put in all this stuff, uh, you know, the side decals inside the cabinet. It came fully loaded as an LE for for $9,000. They basically gave people pretty much what people got in Batman SLE for the reduced cost of $9,000. Now, my question is, will this trend of fully upgrading the LEs continue onto Iron Maiden LE. I don't did it I think it also came with the non-reflective glass. And and that is the thing. It's it's gonna be hard for them to now go back and not give you the upgraded sound system, not give you the upgraded decals, you know, not do those things. I had speculated that Stern jam packed those items into Iron Maiden LE because they didn't have to pay for the full R&D cost of Iron Maiden because that game was already designed by Keith as Archer. So that is another thing I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we see that the features that we got in Iron Maiden will carry over into Deadpool. All right. All right. Anything else other than we just are, are really in a holding pattern to see when Stern pulls the curtain off of this game. And I guess the final question I'll ask on this show is, do I think the LEs of Deadpool will sell out? 
and do I think there's going to be a run on the game? And so here's here's the thing. I don't think it's already sold out. In fact, I know it's not already sold out. You can go to Game Exchange, and JJ over there is accepting thousand dollar deposits on an on a on a Deadpool LE. Now they've changed their policy a bit, and I was talking to JJ about this. They've changed their policy that you have to give a thousand dollar deposit now, and once the game is revealed, you owe an additional thousand dollars. Uh, and then you're committed. So I think at that point, the money doesn't become refundable. And here's why they had to do that. It's because two titles that had a lot of hype that people went in on early, two titles really failed to sort of capture the imagination of people and people bailed. And those two titles uh, were Star Wars LE, which Stern made way too many at 800 and Guardians of the Galaxy LE. And I think both of those titles, they really struggled uh, to secure buyers. I think they, they easily got people on the waiting list for it. And so by the time the game was revealed, there was already like 400 people to buy Guardians of the Galaxy or, or 600, however many it was. And then Batman was 800. Uh, but I think if Stern were smart, I would set the Deadpool limited edition number at 400, uh, 500 max. Um, if it's as amazing as I'm hearing, I think this game will will probably sell out. And remember, there's not 500 people is sounds like a lot, but here's why Stern LE sell out because people will get the game in, in, in within a month or two. And, and, I, and again, I think money burns a hole in the pocket of pinball people. Now, speaking of Stern, one final note I want to make on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast, episode 254, which I was wrong when I called last episode 243. Um, where are the Stern toppers lately? Like, what's going on in Topperland over at Stern? So we never, ever got the topper for Star Wars. I, I, I don't know what's going on. I, I can't possibly imagine it would take them a year to make a topper for a game. Uh, whoever is on that topper, what, and where are, where are the toppers for Iron Maiden? And I also know they're working on those toppers. So I'm, I'm just curious because as a pinball collector, uh, I love toppers, and I think a lot of you out there do love to put toppers on your pinball machines, and I always think these games arrive a little naked when they arrive without toppers. I mean, just look at a company like Chicago Gaming Company. The topper becomes so much of the excitement around getting uh, the LE versions of their games, and we fully expect Monster Bash Remake to come with the most stellar topper possible. Uh, look at the amazing topper Jack has put on top of Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition. There's just something that always feels like the game is naked when it arrives without a topper, especially when you're buying the premium version of the game. So I'm just curious to see where Maiden's topper is at. Um, I'm also curious to see if there will be a Deadpool topper that we will get. All right, let's move on to Jersey Jack Pinball. So there is literally nothing but silence, and the thread is like buried about Pirates of the Caribbean production. And the games are on the line, which is interesting to me that we're just in that calm before the storm. Uh, people are waiting for their games. They're waiting patiently. Uh, once again, we are just, we're in August of 2018, and we saw this game in October of 2017. So I, I just want people to get the game. I, I also think it couldn't uh, happen at a worse time. Uh, because look, I don't think Pirates of the Caribbean has like a thousand games sold. I don't think it, it does. And, and I think that 
once the game starts shipping, people are going to wait to see um, what the reaction is before they go in on one. I think if Jack had done what Stern has done with Deadpool, imagine this. Imagine if Jack had revealed uh, Pirates of the Caribbean a week ago. And imagine if he said the game is going to ship in a week or two. Imagine if he could actually just take a page from Stern and pull the curtain off that game. Because if you go back and you look at the hype he had when he pulled the curtain off of that game, people were throwing money at that game, like throwing money at it. People were, I, I, I think like the collector's editions with 250 uh, were almost like sold out. I think LEs were being ordered like left and right. And what has happened since then? Here's what's happened since then. No, nobody knew is going in on it. The only thing that's happened is people are pulling their orders and waiting. Why wouldn't you? Why would you lock your money up for a year, that, uh, give a refundable deposit on a game that is never even going to be that limited to begin with? So, I, I, you know, again, I, I just think that, like, it's so unfortunate that it's so easy what you need to do to have the most hype when you sell your game. I mean, the same thing with Spooky. Like, why did Charlie show it at TPF? Like, he sees the way you do it. He didn't need the money because he's got TNA on the line. And it's just a head scratcher the way these companies just don't get it. Like, show your product when it's ready. Like, don't show it early. Like, there's, there's no benefit to doing that unless you really need the money. Uh, but, you know, I, I just, it, it continues to boggle my mind. And I really wish Pirates would have been released into the world in the right way. And, and again, like I was in on one. Like, and the thing is, too, is this, is when you do it the way Stern does it, you remove people's ability to second guess and overthink it. You tap into their fear of missing out. You tap into the hype. And they're super, you know, excited and you capture them at that moment. Uh, when that moment's gone, you can't recreate it. You can't recreate it. Um, so we wait to see when pirates will go out the door. All right, what else do I want to talk about on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast? Uh, there are a couple total nuclear annihilations for sale. These are used games. Let me tell you how much people want for their TNAs. Used. One, one is being sold for $7,250. The other one, which is fully loaded with a butter cabinet, they want $7,800 for it. So that indicates to me that these games, uh, people are uh, trying to sell them for as much, if not more, than they paid for them because uh, they know there's a line to get the game. So they're trying to ask a little bit of a premium or dollar to dollar on the game uh, because they know you'd have to wait. Now, I heard that Spooky has sold somewhat of like, I think like 455 total nuclear annihilations. And I just want to congratulate Scott Denisi on giving Charlie the savior of, of Spooky Pinball in 2018. Because Think about it. Without TNA, there's nothing on the line for the, all those months. So, and now it is the most successful by far uh, spooky game of all time. You know how many Jetsons and how many how many did they make? 
Like you, I never see anyone opening up the Jetsons and even saying they bought one. Like, did they? Is it the rarest pinball machine ever? Like, are we? Like, twenty years from now, uh, when this whole hobby is dead and gone, and people are trying to collect the rare pinball machines, is the Jetsons going to be the, the the King Kong of the future? Uh, is it going to be the uh, the Kingpin? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. But anyway, something I want to talk about, and this has sort of been like on Pinside, and, and we talked about it on the last episode. I want to talk about the whole Godzilla, you know, and Spooky and, and Stern, and I got a chance to read Charlie's uh, interview that he did, on, or, or he did his own podcast, or he interviewed with This Week in Pinball about it, and I, I just want to say that this is a really, really interesting topic to read up on, to, to, to dive into. Because there are a lot of emotions and there's a lot of different opinions about what went down. And so just to recap for everybody, um, Toho, which is a, 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 a licensor of Godzilla, which makes more of like the Japanese Godzilla movies. I think I saw the last Toho Godzilla movie, which was really weird. It was like all these guys in a conference room, like figuring out how to like beat Godzilla. And I, I took my, I took Brenda and our friends to it and they were like, what the fuck is this man? Like, I'm like, I don't know, man, like bunch of dudes talking Japanese with PowerPoint trying to save freaking Tokyo. But, but trust me, like Godzilla is going to fucking appear at some point. He appears like so late into the movie. Anyway, but Chuck and Bug are like the biggest Godzilla fans. Like they've got Godzilla memorabilia covering an entire wall of their of their home. They 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 are like they're like to Godzilla what 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 Guns N' Roses was to me. Like they know it. Like they know the nuances, they know everything about it. And this was like a dream theme for them. And apparently uh, they went to get the license and they found out later on that somebody wanted that license more than them. And that company was Stern Pinball. Now, you can imagine how pissed off you would be to find out that Stern swooped in and took the license that was your dream. And also because there's the belief that Stern will not make a Toho Godzilla game because it's too small of a property for them to bother with. Um, there is speculation that if Stern went after the major motion picture Godzilla franchise coming out, that they would simply also acquire the Toho license as a means to block any other version of Godzilla from coming out, hence cornering the Godzilla marketplace. Now, that's a smart business move, if you ask me. I mean, there's a lot of talk of like, Stern's just evil, and how could they do this? And I, 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 here's how I want to talk about this, because I also read something that Charlie said, and I, it literally made me do a face palm, because I really think that Charlie needs to wake up and join the modern world of business and stop thinking that pinball is all about like making the pinball community happy. And like, yes, you know who makes the pinball community the most happy? Let, let's just all stop like pretending it's not them. It's Stern Pinball. I mean, who has done the most for the pinball community? It's the company that continually delivers the most popular themes in pinball, gives everyone four to six games a year to choose from, has the best customer service, you know, I mean, look, it's just, it's so annoying to me that Stern always gets positioned as like, well, they didn't do it for the community. You, I can't even go into any barcade, going, go into any 
people's homes where they have collections and you tell me which company is is making games that that help grow the pinball community all right it's not the company making 150 games or 300 it's the game it's the company selling 10,000 games a year 15,000 games a year all right but i want to read what Charlie said. And, and again, like I, I get it. Like he's emotional. Like I understand where he's coming from, but I also think Charlie needs to like wake up a little bit and realize that these companies are not his friends. Like they're not out there to help him sell games. Um, so he wrote this. He wrote, so to all our friends at Stern, George Gomez, you're a good dude. And I did offer, I shouldn't say this, but what the hell, I'm feeling feisty today. I offered to consult on the game Stern's Toho Godzilla with Bug for free. I offered, as I put it to George, let's change the culture a little bit. Okay, I want to stop there. I want to stop there and talk about that offer. I, I, I really do, because are you kidding me, Charlie? Like you literally, I get it. But you run a company that makes pinball machines that is also trying to get money from uh, the same customers that buy Stern pinball machines. And I'm going to read later on where Charlie thinks they're not the same customers. I don't agree with that. But you don't offer to help your competitor make a product. Okay. <laughs> okay. In what world does that happen? Now, there are instances where companies might collaborate on a product, which is much different. But do you really think, do you really think that if I do marketing for Coca-Cola and, and we really want to get Beyonce and we're the biggest Beyonce fans and Beyonce signs up with Pepsi that we would offer uh, to help Pepsi with their activities because we're such big fans? I mean, it's just, it, it's Charlie. Do you ever think they would help you? Do you think Jersey Jack is going to help these guys like what what I just I, I mean I get it I get where you're coming from but I think you need to wake up and realize that you're in a business that is competing with these people he then goes on to say he um he said there is no point in pinball companies attacking each other in this day and age the market is too small the customers are all the same You'll have your Stern fans and your Spooky fans and your Jersey Jack fans and your American fans and all other pinball companies that are out there. So I kind of think Charlie looks at pinball like, you know, one company is the Yankees, one company is the Mets, you know, one company is like the Nationals, one company is the Cardinals. And it's like, they're all going to have their fans. And can't we all just like get along in this sport called baseball? And it's, it's not like that in pinball you know in pinball if, if if we were to use sport as a metaphor you know i'm only gonna go to one game this year and i have to pick which game i go to and i'll go to any team's game if they have the best team on the field right i i do think that people will cross shop these machines all the time if the machines are good enough and you know, I, I think that pinball, it's small in the sense that I think people who frequently buy pinball machines, they're well aware of all the options that they have. You know, if I have 
$8,000, $9,000 to buy a game. I don't think most people are like, I'm only going to buy a Jersey Jack, or I'm only going to buy a Stern, or I'm only going to buy a Spooky, or I'm only going to buy American Pinball. I think people say, I'm going to buy the best game that is available uh, that I like. I do. I think for the most part, people will throw money at themes without even thinking about it that much. You know, I was just reading Frolic on Pinside. He's like, he's like, I don't even know anything about Deadpool, but if it looks good, I'm going to buy it. Like, it's like, it's, so it's like, you know, you've got some of these people that will just buy, buy, buy. Um, you've got some people like Roto Dave and like the Hiltons of the world who will simply support anybody but Stern. Um, and they'll always go in on like, you know, the spooky games and the American pinball games. You know, you've got those guys who cheerlead the boutique companies, always claiming that the games are great, regardless if they are or not. Um, but I don't think... Um, you know, pinball is this world, Charlie, where like stern pinball is like, we want eight competitors, you know, because here's what Chuck thinks. I, I, and Chuck, I'm, I would happily have you come on the show to, to, to talk about this. But I do think that Chuck and some of the boutique guys out there, they just have this mentality that um, more pinball companies equals more pinball out in the world, which equals more pinball buyers and community and players and tournament players. And we're growing the hobby. And, and, and my response to that is this. Um, Stern Pinball sells thousands of games a year. The pinball hobby will grow simply if they continue to make great games. Nobody else is growing the community. Like none of these boutiques are even making a dent when it comes to pinball growth. Uh, they, they aren't. They are simply, they are like those fish that glom on to sharks that, you know, clean the, you know, the clean the shark. Like, yes, they're part of the ecosystem of pinball. Like a lot of these smaller boutiques are part of the pinball ecosystem, but they aren't growing pinball. They aren't bringing in tons of new buyers or players. It's Stern that's doing that. Um, you know, and then we go down the list of like, only when you have volume of production, are you growing pinball? And so I, I think when, when Charlie says like, there's room for all of us, of course there is, of course there is. I, I'm not saying there's not Charlie, but I think you need to realize that Stern probably would rather see comp competition go out of business versus helping the competition out. And you saw it yourself, man. Like when they walk into a room, it must have been Jody who did this. No one ever says names. It's funny. We're like, who could it be? Like Zach is a really nice guy. So it must have been Jody. When you were having a licensor agreement, Charlie tells the story, a stern marketing guy walks into the room in the middle of Chuck's meeting and tells the guy, I'll call you. Like, yeah, like that's kind of a dick move. But you know what? That's business. You know, I, I, I literally, I can't for the life of me um, understand why the world of business and, and, and jockeying for better position than your competition um, is an abnormality abnormality. It is what goes on in the world of business. It's all that happens in, in, in business. Uh, you know, Brenda works for a seafood company that is, has tons of competition now that they would never, they would never call up a competitor and be like, Hey, can we really help you guys? Like we've got some ideas on how you could better position your company. Um, no, it doesn't happen. All right. So look, Charlie, I just want to say like, I know your heart's in the right place. I do. And I know that I, I think 
you know, Charlie positions Spooky as a company that is always going to do what's best for pinball, regardless of profit. Like I was reading in the pin side thread and, you know, the, the one guy who every time he talks, we just all get stupider and dumber. Um, Hilton chimes in with his, you know, this, this really idiotic statement. And he goes, you know, you guys like Charlie's doing everything for the best of the community. They worked really hard to get the bomb as low as they could on total nuclear annihilation. And they're making the least amount of money on each TNA compared to the other games they've made all for the betterment of the community. And I'm just like, first of all, Hilton, like, are you stupid, man? Like, you should not have said that. Like, you're, why are you, like, divulging um, Charlie's business practices and letting us know that they're not making much money on TNA? Um, I also think, you know, Charlie needs to start focusing on as much profit as possible because, look, I, like Charlie, like his games, like him or not, the only thing that will keep Spooky around is profit. And that's the thing that ultimately uh, a lot of these people on Pinside and, and fans don't get is profit keeps you in business. Um, profit equals pinball. Goodwill and doing what's right for the community and being a nice guy doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the balance sheet is what will keep companies around. And if you want your companies to stick around, um, you know, I, I think they need to make games that are worthy of you buying them. And this is the other part that I, again, I've, I've just always felt this way. I think a lot of these boutiques, they rely on the goodwill and, and the charity of people to support someone who's not a big company to survive. And again, I think that goodwill runs out at some point and it has to be a great game. And I'm not saying they're not trying to make great games, but if you want to sell a game that costs more than a Stern Pro and Stern Pro is giving me like one of the biggest themes in the world with some of the best artists in the world with some of the best code in the world and your game costs $1,000 more and it's not as good, how are you going to survive? How are you going to survive? You're going to have to you know, develop a fan base. And look, I think Charlie has it. I think Spooky has very loyal Spooky customers. Uh, are there 500 of them? I don't know. We'll find out. Will they sell every Alice Cooper at Nightmare Castle? But I just want to close this podcast in saying a few things. I think that it is an amazing new golden era of pinball. There are so many options out there. I think that pinball companies that make games for the betterment of the community is, is a silly target. You make games that, that should just be a great pinball game. Because when you make a great game, you know what will happen? Money. You know, when you create something of value, the money will come. When you make something that's not really great and you just hope the money comes because you want people to support pinball, I, I, I don't think that's going to last. And, and I think that there's a lot of competition out there right now. And I think a lot of you guys realize this. It's like, holy shit, like we're going to get Monster Bash remake soon. We're going to get like Pirates of the Caribbean. We have Deadpool now is a reality. We know Monsters is right around the corner. Um, you know, we've got Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. We've got Total Nuclear Annihilation. We've got Iron Maiden. You know, there's just, just so much. There's so much. And, you know, to the victors will, will go the spoils. And, 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 I, and again, I think that that this is going to be another year that's not going to be easy for anyone who's trying to compete with the big companies that have the big themes and can release those games quickly. I, you know, are people going to wait 18 months to get in Alice Cooper? 
can they can they might have to speed up production you might have to get games out in 12 months and then get on to the next it's 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 stern won't stop chicago gaming will not stop jersey jack won't stop um, the the stakes are are really high there's going to be as i've always said winners and losers winners and losers and you know all we can hope for is that you know we get the best games from each manufacturer and they put their best foot forward and and i think charlie is probably realizing after they stole they didn't steal the license they went and got it like right they didn't steal it from him i think he's realizing that this welcome to the world of pinball business and this is just how it is in every single industry and it actually does one thing and here's why i think it's good and i and chuck i hope you know like i'm saying this because you know i i want you to like do good in the pinball industry i think this is going to make Chuck and Bug and the spooky people, I think it's going to piss them the fuck off. And I think anger and being disappointed and mad at your competitors makes you want to make a better product. And I see it all over the industry. Do you think like Dodge was happy that like Ford and Chevy were shitting all over them? No, they were pissed off. And they went and then they went and made the Hellcats and the Demons and they, they, they took back the, the crown of, of the baddest muscle cars on the road. And same thing with Spooky. Like this, I hope this lights a fire that sends a signal that we need to stop pretending that we're all holding hands in this industry and we're going to like, you know, we're going to go to war and make the best pinball machines possible. Okay, and it's just the way it is. It doesn't mean you have to be throwing punches and drinks in people's faces like Canada. It just means you need to realize you should never offer to help your competitor make a product, regardless if they took the theme from you. And you should focus on making the games that you can make the best possible games. All right, I'm gonna get off my soapbox. I'm gonna work out. Guys, I haven't mentioned this. Work out. You should be doing more exercise and eating healthy than playing pinball machine. I want to come to TPF and I want to see all of you guys freaking jacked and shredded. I heard Nate, you know, we heard that Nate actually broke up with Teresa, which we were sad to hear. Uh, but I heard he's getting jacked because that's what happens when we get our life back. We want to get our life in order. Um, I was sad to hear that, but I'm, I'm glad to hear he's like working out and he's like, you know, He's pumping iron. Life is short. You got to take care of yourself. Pinball machines will never make you healthy. I promise you that. Have a great day, everybody. You know I crashed that piece of shit.